Hello, thanks for checking out Covenant's podcast. Our prayer is that God uses this message to impact your life. Just a moment. Good morning. That wasn't very good. Man, it's a sunny day. Uh, I pulled into town three years ago, Valentine's Day, in a snowstorm. Some things change, some things don't. Uh, I was also thinking, like, uh, believe it or not, like March 15th will mark the one-year anniversary of kind of the COVID shutdown. And, um, and does it feel like a year? Or 10? <laughs> All right. Hey, I, uh, I, I bought some new jeans a while back. I made sure not to wear them this morning because you'd all be checking out my jeans, but, uh, but they, were, they were actually a pretty expensive uh, brand, um, but I got them for half price. Uh, because they were on the rack uh, at, at the back of the store uh, where there was a sign that read, as is, okay? As is, and, and sometimes they're called slightly irregular, they're, they're called uh, seconds, um, you know, but whatever you call them, uh, it, it's another way of saying they're, they're somehow damaged goods. And, 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 you're, and the story is saying, be, beware, be warned that um, you're going to find a flaw. You're going to find a, a stain. The, the zipper's not going to zip quite right. The seam's not going to be, you know, straight. The story is, is going to tell you that, uh, they're not going to tell you where that flaw is, though. They don't point it out, but you're going to have to find it. And when you do, they're like, don't come whining to us right? Because there's a fundamental rule when, when you uh, shop in that corner of the store, no returns, no refunds, no exchanges. And so if you're looking for perfect, you've walked down the wrong aisle. Uh, if you truly want the item, you have to take it as is. My point here is this. If you have ever dealt with another human being in your life, uh, you may start out thinking, wow, they're perfect, right? They're perfect, from a distance, and as soon as you spend some time getting to know them, you find out that they are slightly irregular, <laughs> right? Uh, you take people as is, as flawed and as imperfect as they are, as, as you are, as we are, right? This is the world that Jesus came to. This is the world that Jesus so loved that he gave his life for. He came to a world as is. He saw the irregular. He saw the flawed. He saw the abnormal, the stained. And he said, you know what? I'm going to pay full price. Meet Jesus. Meet Jesus. That's the title for the sermon series that we're in. Meet Jesus. Jesus walking down the, the wrong aisle, the aisle of, of misfit toys, the, the aisle of damaged goods, the aisle of those that are flawed. Today, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. I got all these uh, guitar picks up here, so I'm just not quite sure what to do with those. Um, Matthew 9, what we'll read first, verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Now, now Jesus is, is, is trying to add an 
as is tax collector to his team. Jesus finds him sitting at his tax collector's booth. Uh, we can presume safely that he was not a, a follower, a disciple of John the Baptist, that he wasn't part of the crowd that was following after Jesus. No one saw him as a, as a potential prospect. He, he wasn't on anyone's you know, list of qualified recruits. There were no headhunters that were tracking him down for Jesus. Matthew was a public tax collector. Private tax collector, collectors um, hired other people to do their dirty work, but a public tax collector like Matthew just pulled their stretched limo into the uh, poor side of town and they, they set up shop. And what would happen is these uh, 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 Jewish citizens, they would bid for this. They would, they would go, I, 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 Caesar, I'll bring you 20%. No, I'll bring you 30%. I'll bring you 40%. And he'd go, okay, good. I'll take the highest bid. You're it. And so uh, Matthew um, would tax about anything and everything. He taxed your boat. He taxed the fish that you caught. He would tax your house and, and your crops. And, and Matthew was really good at it. He lined his pockets by squeezing as much money as he could out of his own people, and then Caesar would get his share, and then Matthew would keep the rest. He would have been despised by the Romans because he was a Jew, and he would have been despised and rejected by the Jews uh, because he was a traitor. Uh, but our text says that Jesus saw him. And if you read my blog this week, then you know the significance of that. To be seen, not the way everyone else saw Matthew, with eyes of contempt, but to see, Jesus, to see Matthew the man, who just happened to be a tax collector. Matthew's given name is Levi, and uh, uh, it's a priestly name. It's the name that both uh, uh, in Luke and Mark's gospel accounts of the story that they used called Levi. And maybe that's what his parents had hoped for their son. And they would have been greatly disappointed. Uh, you can bet that Matthew was shunned, that if there was a, a, a cookout, that he was not on the invite list, that he, if he was, uh, you know, somehow a, a high school class reunion was being put together, that his name was left off. The guy was avoided like an IRS agent, all right? Everybody kept their distance from Matthew. Everybody, everyone except Jesus. Jesus saw him, and Jesus recruited him, and Jesus chose him. Jesus said, follow me and be my disciple. And Matthew got up and followed him. It seems like Jesus hardly had to tug here. And we know that, 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 that Jesus wasn't probably a mystery to him, that he was known to Matthew, that uh, by this time he had done a fair amount of, of, of teaching and, and miracles performed, and, and somehow, you know, Matthew was aware, but still, no matter how you account for this, this is an amazing response of repentance and faith from a very unlikely man. He got up and he followed Jesus. We know uh, that, 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 that it took, that, that he was radically transformed because of what he did next. It tells us in verse 10 that later, later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. 
along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Now, I can see Matthew, after his encounter with Jesus, he heads back to his office, right? And he's packing up. He, he takes down his, his, his shady business school certificates and he, he boxes up his, his dusty, never-before-used tax code uh, books. And, he, and his co-workers are like asking questions, Matt, what's up? You know, Matt, you taking a cruise? Hey, hey Matt, you looking for a, a bigger office? You know, did you join, you know, H&R Block? I mean, I don't know. Matthew doesn't say anything. He doesn't know what to say. And he mumbles maybe something about a job change. But as he reaches for the door, he pauses and holding his box of office supplies and, 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 and plants, he looks back and, and they're giving him that look. Like the jealous, I'm going to miss you, are you headed on vacation look. And he feels uh, maybe a lump in his throat. These guys aren't much. I mean, salty language and Mardi Gras morals. And you have to, you know, they have the phone numbers of their, their bookies on speed dial. And the bouncer at the gentleman, gentleman's club, you know, sends them birthday cards. But a friend is a friend. What do you do? Uh, hey, you guys should tune in to K-Love. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to, just as I'm going, I'm going to slide a couple of, you know, uh, uh, Torah tracks in their desks. Um, I'll invite them to church. Mm, he closes the door behind him and leaves. Uh, later that day, he goes to uh, the bar to settle his tab. You know, it's a seedy and a, a smoky place. It's, it's billiards and Budweiser and not the country club, but for Matthew, it's his home on his way home. And when he tells the owner he's moving, the bartender responds like, whoa, what, what's up, you know, Matt? I mean, you in some kind of trouble. And Matthew maybe mumbles uh, again about a transfer, but he leaves with this empty feeling in his gut. And later on, he meets up with Jesus for dinner and unloads his problem. And he's like, it's my buddies. You know, the guys at the office, the, my bros at the bar. What about them? What about them, Jesus asks. Well, I, 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 I guess I'm going to miss them. Again, Jesus asks, so what's the problem? Well, you know, I've got nothing against... James and Peter and John, but to be honest, they smell like fish. And, you know, they're more like, uh, they're more like Sunday morning, and I'm, I'm like Saturday night, <laughs> right? And Jesus smiles and, and shakes his head. And he's like, Matthew, Matthew, you think I came to take you away from your world? I mean, you're no longer of it, but you're in it. And, and following me doesn't mean that you have to forget your friends. In fact, the exact opposite. Now I want you to be an influencer of your friends the way your friends have been an influencer of you. To be a positive influence. In fact, I, you know what? I want to meet them. Uh, are you serious? Do olives have pits? Yeah, I'm serious. But Jesus, these guys, half of them are on parole. <laughs> You know, uh, 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 Bruno hasn't worn a, a, a shirt with sleeves since his bar mitzvah. I mean, Matthew, I'm not, I'm not, Matthew, I'm not talking about a Bible study. Don't you remember what you heard that I had preached at the Sermon on the Mount? I mean, we know he does because, because he reward, records the words of, of, of Matthew uh, in Matthew 5 through 7 in the gospel that bears his name. He, he wrote this, Okay. 
where it says you are the salt of the earth. You are, you are the light of the world. Don't hide what you have been given. So let me ask you, what, what, do, what do these guys like to do? They like to play cards, go bowling, um, you know, golf. Matthew grins, oh, you ought to see my backyard, man. You should have to see the pool and the surround sound and, and, and the, the grill. I mean, and Jesus like, perfect. Get the gang together, throw on some steaks, and let's throw a party on purpose, with a purpose. And Matthew is all over it. He calls his caterer and his housekeeper and his pool boy and, and get out the word. It's drinks and dinner at my house tonight. So Jesus ends up at Matthew's house. It's it's a classy two-story with a view of the Sea of Galilee, and the cars outside and the noises inside uh, tell you that this is no church potluck, all right? The music is cranking, and in the middle of the room, Matthew is working the crowd. He's, he's introduced uh, uh, James to the, the tax collector yacht club and, 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 and Martha to the, the kitchen help, and Jesus is beaming like what could be better than sinners and saints in the same room, and no one is trying to figure out which is which. But an hour or so into the party, the door opens and a cold wind blows in. Verse 11. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Pious party crashers, who by the looks on their face had, 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 had just drank a tall glass of pickle juice. I mean, they aren't asking a question here. They're making an accusation. If they couldn't, maybe they're jealous. If they couldn't join the party, then they're going to spoil the fun. And Matthew is the first to feel their, their, their glare, and he doesn't know whether to get mad or, or, or to, to, to bail out. But before he has time to choose, Jesus intervenes. And explaining that Matthew is right where Matthew needs to be, verses 12 and 13. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to be merciful. I don't want your sacrifices. For I have come to call sinners, not those who think they're already good enough. Meet Jesus, friend of sinners. Willing to walk down the, the, the as-is aisle of life, not to look for bargains, but for flawed and damaged people, sin-sick people who know they need a physician, filthy rich people who know that they are spiritually poor. Pretty good story, isn't it? Pretty good story, but so what? The Bible doesn't waste words, it teaches truth. So I want to ask two questions this morning, who are we in the story? Who are we in the story? And what do we do with this story? Who are we in the story? Who do you think? For starters, you and I, we're Matthew. We're Matthew. First, because by most standards, we are all pretty rich. And we're also pretty filthy. There's enough hustler in all of us to qualify. Maybe you've never taken taxes but we've all taken liberty with the truth. Maybe we've taken credit for something that wasn't ours. 
taking advantage of the weak. You and, you and I, there's some Matthew in all of us. And there may be a few of you here this morning that are Matthew's guests, uh, his old friends. Um, if you're here, if you're, if you're tuning in uh, online, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> a little surprising, but it's awesome, honestly. Uh, we hope you feel at home, that, that, you, that you'll forgive us, you know, if we seem a little, I don't know, uptight. <laughs> or sometimes standoffish, but we really, we really, really, really do want you to meet Jesus. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. Who else are we in the story? I think, I think many of us are like the Pharisees. They're like the Pharisees who, who thought they had it dialed in, that there's two types of people, there's good and bad people. There's righteous and unrighteous people, and, and, and you know which camp they thought they fell in and why. But, so let's just be honest. So how would we react in similar circumstances? I mean, suppose you, you were walking um, uh, through town, and, and you happened right by the windows of a sports bar, and you look through the window, and you see someone of, of, of a religious you know, status. Let's say, let's say me. And you notice I'm at a table, and, and at that table, you know, you recognize that that's a, that's a crooked politician. And uh, I was going to say something else there. Uh, <laughs> and censor yourself, Rob. Okay. And, and there's a shady uh, a business person who was just indicted or on fraud. And, and you look a little closer, and you're like, man, I'm pretty sure, though, you know, a couple of people, uh, those are prostitutes, and those are gang members, and man, who, who, who has Rob surrounded himself with? And you're going, he's not, he's not he's, the Bible's not in his hand, and he's not, he doesn't look like he's preaching or teaching. In fact, it looks like he's kind of chilling out, relaxing in his chair, and it looks like I'm, I'm smiling and talking and maybe even I'm telling a few jokes. And, and from what you can see, it, it seems like I really enjoy spending time with these no-good scoundrels. So what would you do? What would you think? And that's what it looked like to the Pharisees. For Jesus to associate with outcasts, with, with people of ill repute, made it look like Jesus, like God himself, sorry, was interested in the riffraff of society, which is exactly the point. The Pharisees asked why Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners, and, and Jesus said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. So I've, I've come to call sinners, not those who think they're already good enough. Jesus came into the world and he saw sin. Be clear, he saw sin for what it was, all right? He called it out. He never condoned it. Time and time again, we see him standing before uh, uh, the sinner and saying, go and sin no more. So he's not light. He's not lax. He doesn't, he doesn't take sin, you know, like big deal. He hated the sin. He hated the sin of the tax collector. He hated the sin of the Pharisee. The problem was one knew he was sick and one didn't. One thought he was already good enough and one thought he could never be good enough. Truth is, we're all sinners. We're all sick. But the good news is there's a doctor in the house. Meet Jesus, the great physician, 
Meet Jesus who walks life's as is aisles where the disreputable scum hang out and he says, follow me. Meet Jesus who loves and forgives and heals and saves. Meet, meet Jesus who hates sin but is a friend of sinners. So what do you do with the story? No matter who you are, how you identify, what do you do with the story? First, if you have not already, we respond to that invitation, follow me. It's hard to miss that invitation every time we see an encounter that Jesus has with anyone. It's this, follow me. Follow me and find freedom. Follow me and find life. Following Jesus, though, is costly. And Matthew paid a unique price to follow Jesus. In a few weeks, we'll see Jesus calling his first disciples who were fishermen. Peter put up his nets, but you know what? He returned to them. He could come back to his occupation. But for Matthew, he left knowing he could never get his old job back. It was done. He gave up wealth and privilege and position, and, and he would never be able to return to that again. To be a follower is a big deal. It's a call, an invitation to a transformed life, a changed life. It's a, a, a lifelong journey of walking, of walking it out with Jesus and becoming more and more and more like Jesus, Jesus who is despised and rejected by the world. But I want you to know that anyone can do it. but not in your own strength. <laughs> Jesus said in Matthew 19, 23, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. In other words, it's impossible, all right? It's impossible. He's just using an image there that it's like, I don't, a uh, uh, camel, uh, no. In fact, Jesus says in verse 26 of Matthew 19, with man this is impossible, but with God. But with God, all things are possible. All things. If Matthew, a tax collector, can say no to self and yes to God and follow Jesus, then you, by grace, in his strength, can follow Jesus. He didn't choose Matthew because of his character, because of his competence. It was by grace. He chooses us by grace, not because we are good enough as if we could ever be good enough, but because he is good enough to cover all of our sins. Every disciple, every single one of us, starting with me, an unlikely recruit, unlikely, but with God, all things are possible. The story of Matthew is one of, of like I said, of radical transformation. It was so radical that, that he, he, he stood out. <laughs> and he was so radical that he couldn't keep it hidden from those around him. He, he didn't just live it out on Sundays in a safe space where you could come and, 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 and park and, and be amongst those like yourself. He didn't keep it a, a secret. It's meet Jesus. It's follow Jesus. And then it's share Jesus. It's the other thing that you and I, that we can do with this story. We can share Jesus. And so Matthew threw a party. Luke calls the party. Matthew throws a mega party. Anyone here up for that? Yeah? 
I mean, <laughs> but it cost him some big bucks, man. He didn't hold back. He, he spared no expense. What's he doing? He's investing in his friends. He invited both his religious and his irreligious buddies to his house. It was an intentionally mixed crowd, and he threw a party with a purpose. There was a purpose beyond just, you know, the music and the stakes. There was a purpose. And I think God's desire, very clearly, is for you and I to, to, to value and invest in people to value and to invest in unbelieving friends the way Matthew did, to take a risk, to be creative, to don't wait for them to come to church, but to take Jesus to them wherever they are, wherever they live, wherever they work, whatever they're dealing with or wrestling with. And I know right now that that's hard. I, 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 I know it's, it's difficult because of all the barriers, because of all the restrictions and limitations. So Man, we got to be especially creative in this season because people, I believe, are especially desperate in this season for that kind of touch and that kind of contact and that kind of love and that kind of grace. So maybe it's you shovel your neighbor's walk for them. There have been plenty of opportunities to do that. You know, maybe it's, you know, you can't take a meal over, but, but, but you, you deliver pizza to their house. I, I like uh, sausage. Um, you, you call them, right? You, you give them a call. You, and here's, I was just thinking about this, sharing this with a couple of staff. Like, I was just thinking about, you know, what if we start planning right now? You start planning right now, and we figure out as a church how to resource you somehow to throw the biggest block party uh, that your block has ever had as soon as it's safe to do so. Are you ready? Two questions. Kind of sobering questions, at least as I've asked them of myself, how much time do I spend in a normal week with people who are not Christians? How much time do I spend in a normal week with people who are not Christians? How many people do I even know? Second question, how many friends do I have who are not Christians? And if you don't like your answers, then do something about it. You can't help people unless you're close to people. It didn't take Matthew but a, a moment to turn around and invite. And, and, I, I, and I'm just going, sometimes, yeah, that's easy. But what about a year later, two years later? I've been a Christian. I've been hanging out with my buddies. I've been going to church. Do you still have? Are there still people? You need to get close to people. You need to walk with Jesus through the as-is aisle to see people as Jesus sees people. The way he sees you to care enough to get close so you can make a difference, so Jesus can make a difference through you. We have another uh, video testimony from, from Kate Benonis, and I want you just to take a look. Uh, here's a teacher wanting to get close to her kids. So this one morning I was driving into school. So I, I teach in a high school um, down in North Philly. And sometimes it's really hard um, to do that and, and to stay focused on my job and also love my kids really well at the same time. But I really wanted to that day and I knew that God could, could help me in that. And, um, and so I, I got to school and I thought to myself, wow, this is going to be an awesome day. <laughs> you know, God's going to help me love my kids. And it didn't exactly go that way. So my um, second block 
Uh, one of my students, actually, from my first block, was running around my classroom. He was a kid that struggled in general, um, absent a lot, you know, always suspended, um, always looking to get suspended. But there was no other like other word for it than he was he was terrorizing the, the students in my class. He was terrorizing me, um, and it was coming from a place of hurt. I could tell that, but um, we we it was really hard. And and so I'm kind of following around the room, telling him, you know. Like you can't, you can't be doing this. Like, like, wh like, why are you, why are you behaving this way? There was just this um, sense of like something was so wrong. Like he could not, um, he could not find that that in him anymore. And I, like I was so confused. And I generally am able to keep my cool pretty well with my kids, even when they get really out of line. And I just like I was starting to lose it a little bit. And I got took him out to the door, and I was like, you you need to leave. Like I don't I don't know what's wrong right now. I don't know what's wrong, but you cannot come in here and terrorize us like this. Like you you have to go. Finally, the class period ended, and um, I was sitting around with teacher friends, and I just started bawling. And um, and they're trying to comfort me and, and tell me about how. Um, you know, sometimes we, we just have to, you know, not, not take on so much. It's so hard to not take on everything that the kids are feeling, but we just have to kind of separate <laughs> through sobs. Just like, no, I love my students, and he's in a lot of pain, and that hurts, but I want to love him when it hurts. Um, and <laughs> I realized um, I wanted God to allow me to love my kids the way he loves me um, and that I hurt. I hurt a lot and, and that's why I, I, I mess up a lot and I treat people poorly um, the way my student was and, and, and he loves me as painful that, as that is. Um, he loves me as I hurt. He takes that on completely and he wants me to love other people in that same way. I learned um, that that grace <laughs> that covers all of the of the hurt that that love covers all of the hurt. Um, I didn't really fully understand how full God's love was, how deep it was, um, how it penetrated all of the hurt and all of the pain um, until I, I asked Him really to show me how to love in that way, and uh, and He did. <laughs> and as much as it hurt, I'm so grateful. Um, because that's the way I want to love people. Um, and I'm so glad to know that he loves me that way. Amen. Meet Jesus, friend of sinners. He doesn't, he doesn't love because we're lovable. He loves because he's loving. In our, in our text, Jesus quotes Hosea 6.6 6, where it says, God desires mercy rather than sacrifices. A forgiving spirit more than legal demands and, 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 and religious rights. God desires a relationship. God desires and requires more than the, the habits of being a disciple, but the heart of a disciple, a heart that cares for the same things that he cares for people, all people, no exceptions, no exclusions. Mercy is compassion. It's withholding judgment and looking past 
the sin. It's walking the as-is aisles where you find the imperfect and the, and, the, and the filthy and the flawed and the rejected, valuing, loving, accepting them the same way that he values and loves and accepts you. He saw, he saw Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth, and he sees you and I sitting in our sin. Jesus, friend of sinners. Uh, offering God's mercy to everyone who is sick and knows it. To all who need a doctor of grace. He paid, he paid full price, right? He gave his life, dying on a cross for people like you and me. And so today, today uh, we're going to come to the table, the table of mercy and grace. A, a table where an invitation is given for all those who have placed their faith in Jesus, who have met Jesus and said yes to following Jesus because, because of his call and his strength to respond by, by the power of his spirit to say yes to him. But now to come. A level ground at the foot of the cross, no comparisons, but to come and to sit and to feast. And so as we respond to the word, and as we prepare to celebrate, to remember, I invite you to join with me in just bowing your heads and your hearts and, and preparing ourselves. Well, God, thank you for sending Jesus to an as-is world of people like me, like those gathered in this place, like the people that we look up to and that we look down at, people, all of us who fall short, all of us who are damaged, all of us who are fatally and fully flawed, and all of us who are in desperate need of you. And so we thank you that that you loved us first and loved us best, that you saw us in our sin, and even when we were at our very, very worst, you loved us the very, very most, and you were willing to pay, pay it all, even death on a cross, so that our sins might be forgiven, and so that we might walk in, in the newness of life, transformed, forever changed. So God, as we come to this table of mercy, as we come and remember and celebrate that good gift, feed us, nourish us, fill us, as we give thanks and praise to you. No matter who we are, where we've been, what we've done, If we've said yes to you, then the invitation is for us. We confess and acknowledge our sin, and we take hold of you, Jesus, as our Savior. Thank you for meeting us in this place. Thank you for seeing us and calling us by name. Thank you that we are invited to the party of all parties to sit at this table and to dine with you. 
We give thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, broken for you, take and eat. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, said, this is my blood shed for you, a new covenant I extend to you. Take and drink, for as often as you eat and drink, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Lord, you are great and you are good and you are gracious. So we give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. Thank you for this feast, so undeserving, but so needed. We give you our praise, we give you all of our praise for you and you alone, you and you alone are the God of mercy and justice and grace and goodness, our God. Hear us as we give you thanks.